Welcome to uh, the latest episode of Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. Yeah, it does work better when I start because it just rhymes that way. You see how we try to make that work. Um, a lot of stuff going on in the state of Ohio. You know the drill. We've been talking about the uh, uh, what many have called, including us, the great speaker steal of 2023 for about three weeks now, maybe even longer, going back to uh, what happened on January 3rd. But this, of course, was in motion before that. So we've been talking to people. We've been interviewing people who are of note. Uh, and I understand, Jack Windsor, you have secured a guest tonight who is one of those persons that is of note in the uh, speaker steal of 2023. Who do you got with us tonight? Yeah, so we have uh, Jay Edwards with us tonight. He's a Republican. He's a member of the Ohio House of Representatives, and he represents District 94. He's from the Athens area. And Jay today was um, appointed or recommended by Speaker Jason Stevens to chair the Finance Committee uh, in the Ohio House, which is a very powerful committee. And so our hope is to talk with Jay about not only that recommendation slash appointment, my understanding is that has to be approved in tomorrow's session, which we're going to talk about tomorrow's session quite a bit. Uh, But also, I want to talk with him about several of the articles that we've written and conversations that you and I have had, Bob, on the Jason Stevens election to the speaker's chair and what it took to get him there and uh, a lot of the rumors and scuttlebutt behind the scenes that we've reported on. So uh, it'll be nice to have an opportunity to talk with Jay, get his perspective and get him to weigh in on uh, some of the allegations uh, and then, of course, challenges in the present and the road ahead for the Ohio Republican Party, at least within uh, the Ohio State House. Yeah. And there are a lot of those. There are a lot of challenges in the road. As a matter of fact, just even tomorrow having committee appointments announced, uh, as well as the rules, the House rules established for the upcoming legislative session. All of this, what is today, the 23rd? So it's 20 days late. You know, this stuff should have been done on uh, on January 3rd if things had gone according to normal schedule, normal normal procedure, normal protocol, whatever it is you want to call it. But obviously, uh, with the Republican surprise, coming out of the uh, Republican caucus from November 16th, in which they said they knew who their speaker was and announced that it was Speaker-elect Aaron Marin, Derek Marin. Suddenly, on January 3rd, it wasn't anymore, and that put the... Uh, it put everything in a holding pattern, I guess, to say the least, in terms of the rules, which are just now coming around. And, Jack, you know, one of the things I want to ask Jay when he comes on, too, is who established the rules? Um, mm-hmm. It should be, without question, the overwhelming supermajority of 67 Republicans who would set the House rules. They don't even need the Democrats to agree to anything. But when a coup has been, um, you know, has been carried out and uh, just 22 uh, Republicans, uh, instead of the 67, just 22 of them vote for the speaker uh, that they ended up getting and needed 33 Democrats to do that. Well, suddenly the Democrats have a say in the rules package. Uh, and that's a big deal. And I guess that's what we're going to find out tomorrow morning as well, right? Yes. And we'll also have State Representative Marilyn John. She's from Richland County. And uh, she's also been offered an opportunity to lead a committee. And we'll ask her if that's a position that she wants to take, as well as getting her perspective on what the future looks like in this 135th General Assembly. And more specifically, what was really going on behind the scenes in in her mind and in her view. Just to recap, for those of you who are watching, and, and if you haven't tuned in before or you haven't read some of the stuff that we've put out on the Ohio Press Network or you haven't had a chance yet to listen to Bob's super fantastic show, 
uh, on the radio in Cleveland, 1420 AM uh, WHK. Uh, he's on Always Right Radio. It's it's his own show. And he's talked a lot about it. But what happened was on November 16th, there were uh, three people who ran in the Republican caucus, the meeting behind closed doors for the speaker's chair. Uh, in order to vote in that race, Republicans made a commitment that we are going to acclimate around the ultimate winner. That means if I liked candidate one, but candidate three ended up winning, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, when candidate three goes to the official floor vote, I'm going to back that candidate. So uh, Republicans behind closed doors voted unanimously to do that prior to the election. Derek Maron, after a few rounds, ended up winning the speaker's gavel. And then there was a vote taken on the back end. My understanding is that Scott Olslanger was the only Republican who left the room. Everyone else voted unanimously to acclimate. Again, meaning when Derek is nominated and the floor vote takes place, we are going to vote for him. We caught wind of some things going on behind the scenes very early on. And uh, we we're able to finally do enough digging and uh, reported the night before the vote that uh, John Cross from Kenton, Jeff Larray from Violet Township, Al Catrona from Canfield, Sarah Carruthers from Hamilton, and Jay Edwards, who we'll talk to in a bit, from Nelsonville, uh, made some phone calls. They were whipping votes and really uh, trying to get Republicans to join their cause in order to get Jason Stevens uh, to take the gavel figuratively and literally from <laughs> Derek Marin. And in order to do that, they would need to get all the Democrats to join them and about 18 Republicans to vote with them. Well, uh, as it turned out, there were uh, 22 who ended up voting in favor. And I'm going to run down that list quickly. Jason Stevens voted for himself, obviously. Sarah Carruthers, uh, Cindy Abrams, Bill Seitz, Jay Edwards, Al Katrona, Haraz Ganbari, Scott Olslanger, Mike Lojcik, DJ Swearingen, Bob Young, Gene Schmidt, Kevin Miller, Tracy Richardson, John Cross, Bob Peterson, Jeff LeRae, Brett Hudson-Hillier, Tom Patton, Gail Pavliga, Don Jones, and then Monica Blaisdell. Now, the interesting part about that is that 22 people voted for Stevens, 45 voted for Derek Maron. And so it was a majority of Democrats who elected this new speaker. And there was a lot of scuttlebutt. There was a lot of uh, a lot of talk that um, in order for that to happen, the Democrats didn't do it out of the goodness of their own heart. There was a lot of scuttlebutt about uh, the idea that there were deals made with Democrats. How did you get all 32 to vote uh, for you, Jason Stevens? And keep in mind, this isn't the first time we've seen this. Uh, this movie played very recently. Uh, it was actually 2018 into, into 2019 when Larry Householder did the same thing. He partnered with uh, a group of Republicans, crossed the aisle, uh, got several Democrats to vote for him, and then uh, slid into that speaker's chair. Now, there's gonna you're going to hear a lot over the next several weeks as his trial started today in Cincinnati on, uh, on several federal charges. Um, but you're going to hear a lot about uh, what he did when he was in office and how it all went down. But the difference between what happened with Jason Stevens and what happened with Larry Householder is very simple. Larry Householder did not go before the caucus and people in caucus did not say, hey, um, we're going to promise before we cast our vote to acclimate. And then on the back end, they didn't promise to vote for somebody else other than Householder. There was no 
caucus vote. So there are a lot of Republicans who have that issue. Uh, and then there are a lot of Republicans who said never again, never again do we want to see uh, our leadership position essentially sold down the river for certain things um, that would bring so many Democrats on to make it happen. Well, that's what you saw this time. So the rumors are very, very simple, but also very, very profound. Uh, number one, um, the initiative that is designed to require 60% of Ohioans to approve a constitutional amendment, that resolution is supposed to be quashed and, and killed. Uh, the second thing is education choice. Some of the most uh, powerful ideas and uh, legislative tools that could be brought to bear, those things are either going to be uh, kicked down the road or killed as well. Um, redistricting will be another significant issue. Democrats want more representation and more power. Republicans allegedly have agreed to do that by allowing these third party groups, um, these, these you know, unbiased, quote, unbiased uh, third party groups to be involved in drawing the maps. Uh, a lot of insiders say uh, there's no such thing as an unbiased group and you're going to get these Eric Holder type groups that bring their blue crayons and try as much as they can to to color the entire slew. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the fourth thing is they're going to allow several, several things to get crammed into the budget. And if you've ever followed the budgetary process in the state of Ohio, uh, not only do they talk about spending and, and pass spending, uh, but they also cram a bunch of stuff into it. Sometimes it flies under the radar. So the idea was we're going to let you put some of the stuff in the budget and wink, wink, you know, we'll kind of keep it quiet. So that is what is alleged to have been traded and uh, that got Democrats on on board with Jason Stevens. And of course, we'll, we'll ask Marilyn John a little bit about that when she joins us uh, in just a few minutes. Yeah, you know what that is, Jack? That's a lot. Um, that's a lot. And we were told there was none. We were told, we was, we were told there were no concessions made, no deals made, no, uh, you know, uh, backroom, uh, uh, handshakes. This was just a matter of, Hey, Jason Stevens talked to the Democrats and Derek Maron mm -hmm. talked to the Democrats. They each talked to Alison Rousseau about, uh, you know, what the potential leadership spots might be and about whether or not she was going to be the minority leader, which is up to the speaker. And, you know, both of them talked to them and the Democrats chose Jason Stevens. It has nothing to do with us. You know, it's just so much crap because of everything that you just pointed out uh, hey bob i'm going to interrupt yeah. you real quick um did you yeah. see it, it looks like jay edwards um is is attempting to, to come back with this jay can you hear us i can hear you can you hear me any better now <laughs> it's man it's like you get five words in and then it clips and then there's a delay um why don't you say a couple of sentences again we'll, and we'll give it the, the college try here hello 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 testing one yeah, even, no, we, you're didn't still even, very... we didn't even get through the word. We didn't even get through the word testing. We got hello, hello, te and then it broke up, and then you came back with ting, and it's just yeah, it's unfortunate. It's a, it's just a real bad. So thing. so sorry. <clears throat> no worries. Hey, thank you for. No, listen. We appreciate you. Um, we know that you have time with your family tonight, carved out. So thank you for giving us the opportunity, and um, we'll make sure that we, uh, God willing, will will have the ability to have you on uh, with a strong signal on Wednesday. We'd like to have, yeah, and you know what, uh, just as long as you're there, Representative Edwards, I'd like to have you on the radio as well in the morning. So I'll, I'll, we'll huddle with Jack, or I'll huddle with Jack after this uh, podcast, and we'll set up a time to have you back on this podcast with both of us and hopefully get you on the radio here in Cleveland as well so all the Republicans in the uh, northeastern part of the state know what your uh, position is on everything with the rules package tomorrow, committee assignments, leadership, and so forth. So uh, any opportunity that we have to have you on later this week on the radio, we'll We'll make that happen too, okay? Thank you, Bo. Thank you, guys. We'll 
Talk to you okay. later. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. All right, so, Bob, Jack, take it away. I cut you off there. No, it's okay. Um, it's, it, it was just underscoring what you were just pointing out. There were so many things that were given. I don't know what other things are going to be given in order to get them to agree to the rules package or what rules the Democrats are going to want uh, in this that, you know, again, this should have all been done back on January 3rd, and it should have been with no Democrat input whatsoever when you have a su- 67 to 33 supermajority. This should not be happening. And that's something I want Jay Edwards to answer for. It's something I want John Cross to answer for. I want every single one of the gang of 22 to answer for. And, Jack, you and I talked about this going, uh, you know, prepping for the podcast tonight. You were going to ask him directly, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. Hopefully it will happen on our next uh, podcast drop, which will be on um, uh, recording on Wednesday, um, you know, about why he lied to you. Can you, can you tell us, because I know you wrote about it already uh, for yes. the Hot Press Network. So let's talk mm-hmm. about it here. What because and I want Jay Edwards and it's okay if he knows what you're going to ask uh, because it's important. Uh, if he wants to prep his answer between now and Wednesday, that's okay. Uh, if he wants to hear this, but give us give us the the conversation and the background mm-hmm. that you had with him prior to uh, the vote on January third. Yeah, so there are, there are three things that are troubling to me, um, and when I say troubling, I'm, I I mean inconsistent. Consistency in these types of situations it, to me is important because you know consistency often leads to the truth. Inconsistency oftentimes is a signal of dishonesty or misdirection. Uh, a couple of things happened uh, over the Christmas holiday. I reached out to several lawmakers. Jay Edwards was one of them. We had several conversations. And in, during one of those conversations, uh, he said to me that um, all Derek Marin had to do was pick up the phone. And if Derek had just communicated with him, then maybe his feelings about his ability to lead would have been different. Um, so we published that, that there was no communication, that uh, he didn't pick up the phone and communicate with him. Um, but I've learned since then, and uh, it's been published, that he actually did uh, reach out to Jay Edwards and offered to meet with him, said that he wanted to meet with him to talk about several things in preparing for his uh, leadership role in the House and, uh, you know, where Jay would fit into that. And uh, Jay punted that. Jay didn't say, yes, I can meet with you. No, I can't. Yes, I can meet at this time. He simply said, I'm praying for your dad. Now, that's a great gesture. Unfortunately, Derek Marin's father passed away uh, during the holidays. He was in hospice. Uh, and, and so Derek was not only preparing to become Speaker of the House, he was also dealing with the death of his father. Um, so that was one issue for me that was inconsistent. Um, you know, the other one was uh, I had heard, as I mentioned at the top of this show, that uh, Jay Edwards was part of that group of people who were making phone calls on behalf of Jason Stevens to pitch other Republicans. Um, several people said they were sowing divisiveness, um, you know, using the reward or fear system to try to get people on board. And when I asked uh, Mr. Edwards, that question directly, were, are you making phone calls or were you making phone calls? He said, I'm not making phone calls, but, 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 you know, people are asking my opinion and I'm telling them that, um, I've had people since then, um, uh, come out and say, no, I, I can prove to you that he was actually making phone calls. Um, and I have one lawmaker who was standing beside another lawmaker when, when, uh, Mr. Edwards, uh, allegedly called and, uh, tried to pitch, uh, Jason Stevens. And then the third thing, I asked uh, because part of the deal, right, the deal, alleged deal between uh, Stevens and Edwards was that Stevens would offer Jay Edwards a, a leadership position in the finance committee. And uh, I asked him about that uh, a couple of weeks back and he said, well, that's that's news to me, basically. 
And then uh, today, when Jason Stevens' leadership list came out and Jay Edwards' name was behind, or excuse me, beside <laughs> finance chairman, I reached out and said, well, isn't it interesting that I knew about this before you? And he said, well, hey, um, you know, there were uh, everybody that ran for speaker asked me or indicated that they wanted me to be the finance chair. And I said, wait, time out, hold the phone. The last time we talked, you told me this was news to you. Um, and so, you know, there are just some inconsistencies there that I want to check in with him on. Um, and, and frankly, you know, one of the other things that we've heard, and I don't know that I've spoken about this before, is that um, I did mention that one of the larger deals that that Stevens allegedly made with Democrats was that he would allow them to cram things into the budget. Well, wouldn't it be interesting if if uh, his right hand man, Jay Edwards, is the chairman of the Finance Committee? Um, that would probably make that commitment or that promise uh, a lot easier to honor uh, for, for Stevens and, and Edwards, if that were true. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of information. We have to get him back on, obviously, to talk about that and have that conversation. I want to hear the answers to those things because, Jack, I'm, I'm getting tired, quite frankly, of being told one thing and then finding out another. I want to ask you this, too. When he said he wasn't making calls to other Republicans on behalf of Stevens to try to get them to uh, to uh, ignore and, uh, and 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 run away from and break their vow, if you will, to vote for the whoever won the caucus vote, was there any talk about him calling Democrats or just other Republicans? Because we know, obviously, that Democrats were contacted by a number of individuals uh, who were part of the Gang of 22. I just want to know if he's one of them or do you have any confirmation of that? I, that does not stick out in my mind as something uh, that I remember. Uh, I can go okay. back in my notes and look. Uh, my, my understanding is that it was twofold, uh, that Jason Stevens was talking quite a bit with Democrats, uh, as well as some of the most powerful lobbying firms. Uh, you know, I talked to a, an insider who said, look, to think that everybody that did this was inside the House uh, is, is a little bit reckless. Um, sometimes they're about as effective as a monkey humping a football. So there were a lot of people outside the state house in positions of power with lots of money that were trying to make this happen. Um, but that is something that is a lead that we'll follow up on and, and I'll and I'll check out. All right. So so uh, before we bring in our next guest or what would be our first guest, as it turns out, um, I want to talk about uh, how Jay Stevens and uh, or I'm sorry, excuse me, Jason Stevens and Jay Edwards and everybody in the uh, Stevens camp, they seem to bristle. Uh, at the suggestion that this is Householder 2.0. Uh, they don't like that characterization. They uh, And there's good reason, of course. The Householder trial is about to begin, but they don't like being associated with that. And, Jack, I'm going to ask you, in a general sense, what do you know about Megan Fitzmartin? I only know what people have told me, and it's not a lead that I followed up on extensively, meaning I haven't really had a chance to dive into her background. Uh, I haven't had a, a chance to try to connect all the dots with the federal documents okay. that have been released. But what I do know is that she was um, a very close person uh, with Larry Householder. And when Jason Stevens uh, put her in the position that he put her in, uh, that caused a little bit of heartburn because folks went, my gosh, we're, no, we're well, about nobody, to. Nobody, nobody knows that part yet. So let, that, let's, oh, let's, okay. that's, that's where I was going with this. Okay. Uh, I, wanna, I want people to know who she is first before I tell you the rest of the story here. For those who All don't right. know, uh, Megan Fitzmartin, you said, was very close to Larry Householder. More than that, 
She was the chief campaign operative or a chief campaign operative of former Speaker Larry Householder. She was also a top official with JPL and Associates and worked closely with Jeff Longstreth during the period of time in which he was engaging in activities which led to him pleading guilty to federal charging charges of racketeering conspiracy in connection with the scheme to receive bribes for Householder. Now, the words that I just told you aren't mine. The words that I just read to you came from Derek Martin, came from Phil Plummer, uh, Marin, excuse me, uh, Derek Marin, Phil Plummer, uh, Susan Manchester, and Brian Stewart. This was a letter to the speaker, Jason Stevens, from Marin et al., saying, we are writing to express serious concern with your hiring of Megan Fitzmartin for a taxpayer-funded position as both policy director and communications director for the House Republican Caucus. The reason for their concern is what I just outlined. The 135th General Assembly, the letter goes on to state, is beginning on the eve of the criminal trial of Larry Householder. Recent disclosures by the U.S. Attorney's Office have confirmed that JPL and Associates records will be in evidence in the case against him, and it is highly likely that Jeff Longstreth will be a witness, if not other personnel connected to him. Accordingly, hitting such a close... Hiring such a close former associate of Householder and Longstreth onto the House's official staff is an unnecessary distraction for the caucus at best and a potential liability at worst. Given that a sizable number of the caucus are unable to work with Ms. Fizz Martin under these circumstances, this also creates major questions about her ability to be effective in these roles. For the reasons above... This hire is extraordinarily ill-advised and demonstrates questionable judgment. There are numerous qualified individuals available to serve as our policy director and our communications director. Each, ha- <clears throat> excuse me, each has typically been its own full-time position, and we strongly urge you to reconsider this hire. Sincerely, again, Derek <clears throat> Marin, Phil Plummer. Susan Manchester and Brian Stewart. So, Jack, I wanted to read that in its entirety. It was written one week ago on the 16th, and it's kind of funny that the one little piece we were able to get out of Jay Edwards there and what you told us as well is they were concerned about, you know, the ability of Derek Marin to make good hires, to make good appointments to leadership positions in the caucus. And in this case, it would be for staff. And now here comes Jason Stevens, who doesn't like to be called Larry Householder 2.0 insofar as the way that he was chosen by, by, you know, the Republicans reaching out to Democrats. But, boy, the very first thing he does is he hires Larry Householder's very close uh, policy director to work with him. So what do you make of that? Well, I make of it the same thing that I made of what I call the other red herrings. First, it was, well, you know, I'm mad Derek didn't call me. Well, as the evidence started to disprove that, then it moved on to, well, you know, he he killed some stuff in lame duck. Namely, he could have passed Save Women's Sports. Uh, and I went, well, wait a minute. Um, the, the, the lawmaker who created that bill, Jenna Powell, actually didn't vote for the bill that would have carried it either because they didn't like the larger bill. So, you know, they were making something out of nothing. So that was kind of the second red herring. And then it was, well, you know, he wasn't really organized and okay, well, his, his dad was in hospice. He died, um, you know, in the middle of the whole 
episode. But what I also learned was that he apparently was extremely organized. He had the calendar set. He reached out to people and said, you know, I want to understand what committees you want to be on. He was doing all of the things. So, you know, when you when you put all of these things under the microscope, you go, well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. And so then you look at, uh, all right, well, maybe he wasn't going to make good hires. And then you go, are you kidding me? So listen, I don't I don't know. I don't know who she is. I've never met her. I've talked to people who've said she's very capable. She's very good. But if you're if you're concerned about the optics, um, again, on the on the eve of the the largest corruption trial in Ohio history, you're going to bring in to the fold somebody that worked for the guy that's on trial. Now, I want to be very clear. Larry Householder is innocent until proven guilty. He may he he, he may get off scot free. I don't know. But if you're worried about the optics, then be worried about the optics. To me, this is another, you know, what is it? The fourth, fifth, sixth red herring in, in the whole bunch. Yes. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. And why don't you introduce our next guest and invite her onto the program? Representative Marilyn John. She's a member of the Ohio House of Representatives. She represents District 76, specifically the Richland County area, which includes my home area. Um, Representative John was the former mayor of Shelby and a member of the Richland County Commission. And it's always an honor uh, to have Representative John. She is a fantastic person and a diligent and hardworking lawmaker. So uh, Representative John, thank you for being with us tonight and welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome, um, Bob. If you don't, if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick off uh, with the first question. Is, is that fair? And hi, Bob. Kick away. <laughs> I was gonna greet you when I first spoke with you, but thank you so much, Marilyn. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be, mean to be informal. No, Representative. No, please, it's Marilyn. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate that. And Jack, yes, please tee it up and kick away. So um, I know that we're on limited time, and, and I was I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a second question first. Um, I was going to ask you, what can we expect tomorrow? But let me just ask you, what kind of taste do you have in your mouth um, about how this all went down with getting uh, Jason Stevens elected as speaker? Um, is that something that you're that you have a feeling for either way and that you'd want to speak on? Oh, a very bitter taste. Um, I am a rule follower. I believe in process and to have the process, the historic process, mind you, um, blown up the way it was, it has left a bitter taste in many of our mouths. It's, I was talking with, I speak daily with 10, 15 of my colleagues and um, spending time in Columbus these days has become very difficult. Uh, when I drive to Columbus now, it's, it's kind of a heavy feeling. Um, I was trying to calculate how, what's the latest I can get there tomorrow and how soon can I get out? So um, it's be, it's become very difficult. Well, and, and knowing you and, and knowing how diligent you are, that says a lot, because I know that you take your job very seriously. And uh, at times I've talked to you in the past, you've been very eager to go and, and represent your constituents. So that's 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 frustrating uh, to hear. Um, Let me know, follow up on that and ask yeah. you then if your heart is heavy as you drive in and you're looking to get in as late as you can and out as quickly as you can. How do you work with them? How, how do the 45 who followed, you know, their, their oath uh, as Republicans in the caucus, how do you work with 22 people that you don't feel like you can trust? Um, I think it's going to be really challenging. And, uh, you know, I'm, I consider many of them friends. And so um, this is going to be this is going to be very difficult. It's going to be a rough couple of years, definitely a rough couple of next months. 
a few months, we've got a lot of important legislation that we've got to get through, including the budget and with householder trial going on behind the scenes, which is going to, we're going to be getting nailed with every day. And um, now a, a comms and policy director that, I don't know, is she getting vacation time to go testify? Because she's been added. <laughs> so how and does that work? during one of the most important times of our general assembly, which is passing a state budget. So it's going to be really challenging. Well, quick follow up on that um, about whether you can trust them or how you're going to work with them. I agree. I get it. It's going to be very challenging and difficult. Do you expect, and this is predictive, it's not something you know because you're not in their group, but do you think they're going to spend the next couple of years trying to mend fences and actually go out of their way to reunite with you and say, look, we can still get great things done under Jason's leadership, blah, blah, blah. Or do you think they're going to spend all their time kissing the rear ends of the only people who, uh, you know, uh, made it possible for them to get what they wanted? And that's the Democrats. Are they going to work more with you or with the Dems? I would say actions speak louder than words. And so I received a phone call from one of the 22 um, shortly after January 3rd asking to form partnerships. And mm -hmm. I said, that's funny because partnerships were not, unity was not being discussed until you got the speaker candidate that you wanted. And now that you have the speaker candidate that you want, now it's let's reach across, not even the aisle, we're in the same caucus. But let's mm -hmm. let's, you know, work together now. We weren't interested in really doing that before, but now we want to work together. So uh, I pointed out the hypocrisy of that, which he agreed was rather hypoc um, very hypocritical of him. And then I did have a conversation with Jason <clears throat> last week, and he said, you know, we got to work at this. I'm going to have to work harder than you. Um, I agree. He does have to work harder than me. But yet he's not, you know, our leadership team that we elected met with him on January 11th at three o'clock, asked to meet with him again. They have sent emails. They have sent a text message to him trying to reach out to him. Yet he has not contacted any of them to try to set up another meeting to say, let's work together. Um, Sounds like you need to have another vote. Because that's what they said about Derek Mayer. Derek wasn't calling enough people. He wasn't returning calls. He wasn't reaching out and, you know, scr scratching backs and all that sort of thing there. So it looks like uh, maybe we got to have another vote again. What do you think? Uh, well, whatever comes, comes. I'm being I very childish right now. I'm being very childish. Well, just to, well, <laughs> but that's how I feel about it. Columbus. <laughs> Touche. Well, you know, it's interesting, well um, Representative, you, you, you said something, and that was that was one of the questions I asked many of the, the, the people who were whipping votes for the 22. I said, now, I'm not really good at math, but, you know, 45 is bigger than 22, and you're worried about divisiveness. It's, it's a heck of a lot easier to get 22 people on board who, you know, might be him and an on versus 45. So it's it's interesting that, you know, that argument doesn't hold up. So kudos to you for, for pointing that out. You know, you talked about how it's important to get the business done. And so tomorrow, um, it, it appears is going to be a session wherein you decide on the rules, which should have been decided, I think, on January 3rd. And then you vote on the leadership team that uh, Jason Stevens has put forth. Now, my understanding is that he's offered you the opportunity to chair the state and local uh, government committee. So congratulations on that, maybe. I don't know. Um, so thanks. Yeah. <laughs> is that something? So I'll start there. Is that something that you will accept? And and then 
what what can voters expect? What can Ohioans expect tomorrow? So, um, is there cussing on your show? Yes. So, <laughs> I'll, refrain. I'll refrain. But um, so, yes, I will accept a chair position. Um, you know, I served as vice chair of state and local. My top ask was to be on finance, but um, there's not a lot of room for any of Derek Marin's people on finance. I think of the nine positions, the nine uh, chair and vice chair positions, seven of them are held by Jason's people. And so there's not a lot of room on finance for me. So um, I have a lot of experience in local government. It's a good fit. Um, I'll be happy to represent Richland County and a lot of other local governments in that committee. And I think that we can do some good work. As far as what to expect tomorrow, uh, we received the rules late afternoon, and I I was told by Jason when he was running for speaker that he was very interested in bringing us together, working on these things together. Uh, I have yet to speak to anyone who was involved in writing the rules. Um, I'm not sure who wrote them. I don't know who all worked on them, um, but I've talked to a couple of people. I've been told that he took some ideas from... Um, the list that was sent to him by our caucus elected leadership team. But again, when I don't get the rules until less than 24 hours in advance of, of when I'm expected to vote on them, it gets a little bit difficult. So, so you don't know, you don't know how many, if any of the rules or uh, how much input the Democrats had into this. Well, looking at the rules, the Democrats got a lot. So I'm Mm. expecting that they, had quite a bit of input in the rules. Um, so they should be very happy. I just think. just to clarify this, if you would, Representative, uh, if uh, Marilyn. Yes. If we had followed through and 67 Republicans had voted for Derek Maron and Derek Maron was indeed the speaker, how much input would the Democrats have into the establishment of the rules for this session? Not as much as they have under Jason Stevens. Okay. Because I'm, I'm, we are I'm looking for goose egg here is pretty much what I would expect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, when the, when the majority is this, you know, resounding 67 to 33, you're sitting down there going, yeah, we kind of just have to play by their rules. We have to do what they say and how they say it until we start winning more elections, putting up better candidates and so on and so forth. And I'm just astounded that what you said is true. You would imagine that they had a significant input in the establishment of these rules, considering what you've seen. Yes. I would imagine they had significant input into, they've had significant input into every vote we've taken so far. So for, for people keeping track at home and, and maybe they're not as far in the weeds as you are representative and, and you are Bob and, and that I am, why does that matter? Let, let's answer that simple question. So if the Democrats are, are helping to set the rules and, and um, you know, they got Jason elected and, and frankly, tomorrow they're, they're going to probably um, be the folks who get his chosen leaders over the over the hump. So to the average voter, why does that matter? So I'm going to relay a conversation I had this morning. I was at a breakfast with some of our social services directors from my county and also our state representative, Mark Romanchuk. And one of the directors uh, was beginning to talk about some budget issues. And he looked across the table at Mark and I, and, and he's looking at Mark as he's talking. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, Marilyn. 
we're probably not going to be reaching out to the House. You guys are too much of a mess. We're just going to be working with the Senate to get done what we need to get done. I have a feeling I'm going to be hearing that a lot over the next <laughs> mm-hmm. two years. Um, when we don't have unity, and we don't have unity, there is not unity. Um, when we don't show that we have our act together, um, they're going to go to the Senate. The Senate's already had uh, committee meetings. They've already had their retreat. They're well ahead of the House. And um, I, I see that continuing for a good long while. Now, I just want to remind everybody, I think this is a great, great time to point it out. That if you, you're not you're just joining us at the top of the show, we talked about one of the complaints that Team Stevens had about Derek Marin was that maybe he wasn't exhibiting good leadership skills. He wasn't organized. Um, really, the rules should have been set. Leadership should have been established on January 3rd. Tomorrow's going to be the 24th. Um, not only is the House in disarray, there, there are no rules. <laughs> there are no appointed leaders or elected leaders yet. Uh, and you know, my understanding is, and I know this is going to peeve some people, and I frankly don't care. Uh, there were some people uh, that uh, boarded a plane or maybe they got in a car and drove to Florida last week and, and played some golf and, and, and raised some money. And they all happened to be on on Team Stevens based on, uh, you know, my preliminary investigation. So isn't it interesting that Derek Marin, you know, took a lot of hits for not being a, a, a good leader and not being able to get things started. But here we are, you know, three weeks later and um, you're still in the starting blocks. Yeah, I was actually in Columbus, um, as well as many other of my colleagues that voted for Derek Marin were in Columbus working last week. I didn't get the invitation to Florida. So what can I yeah. say? And, you know, Jack, you, uh, thank you for joining me and being just as childish as I was about that, uh, because you're right. I mean, but you know what? It's it's the reality. They said this was going to start poorly. You know, we're going to be late on leadership, going to be late on appointments, blah, 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 uh, if Derek Marin takes over, because look at the way he's handling things. And we all know there was crap. That was just an excuse because they wanted more power, those who got behind Jason Stevens here. And obviously they were willing to grant more power to the Democrats. So uh, I want to move on to the question, uh, Rep, uh, Representative uh, uh, John is that talking I want to talk a little bit about um, the issues that put that the Amer- that the people of Ohio I should say put before you I want to talk about backpack bills I want to talk about save women's sports acts mm-hmm. I want to talk about <clears throat> excuse me I want to talk about uh, the right to life I want to talk about uh, uh, you know the the constitutional amendment the idea of the 60 percent and so forth all of these were crucial and when we had a 67-member unified majority, we figured we're, Mike DeWine can't veto something that goes, you know, 67 to 33 and all of these, no. these things. It's, it's going to get done. All of this very conservative legislation that I have been pushing for, Jack has been pushing for, you have been doing it at the legislative level, was going to get done. Where do those things sit in a 45 to 22 to 33 three-way kind of a... Uh, of a body, which is what the House is now. It's almost a three. It's almost three different branches, if you will, within the within the House. I think Matt Huffman from the Senate referred to it as the three-headed monster, something mm-hmm. like that. Who's he going to deal with? So, where's the legislation stand? I think it depends on who you talk to, um, and who they are talking to, because what has been said to me has varied from what has been said to others, and. So uh, it's, it's very difficult for me to know where legislation stands. I will tell you what Jason Stevens said to me last week regarding the backpack bill. He said that he needs to educate himself on the backpack bill, 
that he is concerned about a couple of items on it, but he feels like we need to get hearings, which we were not, we were granted one hearing under Chairman Olslager last General Assembly. He would not give us another hearing as much as we asked. I said, well, having hearings and passing legislation are two different things. He said, if you can get 50 votes, I will not stand in the way. So now getting 50 votes means that some of his 22 followers are going to have to join with the majority of Republicans to support that legislation. Is he going to let them vote the way they want? I don't know. Wow. I could say the same thing for all of the other legislation. You know, he says regarding the constitutional amendment, the Constitution Protection Act, um, mm. that he's not against it. Is he going to let so, them vote for it? Well, I don't know. so I'm so hearing. How, how do you, real quick, Jack, how, how do you guys address the people of this state? You know, I mean, you, they give you this big majority. They give you this mandate to carry out these very important conservative items this on this agenda. Um, they give you everything that you want. They give you all the state house offices, uh, you know, the state offices, I should say, with the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, uh, and so forth, secretary of state. What do you say to the – because I have to tell you, when all of this went down, I just went on, you know, in a, in a huff – childish again i went on social media and said i'm no longer a republican screw these people i want a new party uh i can't be a democrat ever i certainly cannot be a part of this nonsense i feel disaffected i feel like i'm a refugee a political refugee um i guarantee you there's a lot of other people who feel like that as well that if i can't even count on the republicans to represent me what do i do so and this isn't all on you but how do you and how does the republican majority which it still is how does it tell the people of ohio to stick with them and 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 what do you say to 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 keep them confident and optimistic that the things we want done are going to get done so we're still going to push as hard as we can for conservative legislation we had a press conference two weeks ago for the constitutional protection act we're going to push that forward as much as we can um especially the 45 of us um we are getting ready to, we just been a, sent out a co-sponsor request for the backpack bill. We are going to introduce it and we're going to hold their feet to the fire. If Jason Stevens tells me that I, I can get 50 votes, he's going to allow it to pass. I'm going to hold him to that. Um, other things, we've already started talking with our senators because we have to be able to form strong partnerships there if we can't have strong partnerships within our caucus. So we're beginning to work outside of the bounds of the Republican House caucus to see what partnerships we can we can form there to get this legislation forward that yes, we were sent to Columbus to introduce, work on and pass into law. You know, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be childish again. I I'm just going to channel my my inner uh, progressive liberal and just say I I think you should identify as the Speaker of the House, Representative John, and I think you should just go in tomorrow and take the gavel and uh, and get the job done. Isn't it ironic that that Jason Stevens said to you, hey, you know, my job's going to be harder than yours. But then it sounds like in the same breath, he says, if you get 50 votes, 
wait a minute, Mr. Speaker, isn't it your job to use the whip to whip votes? Isn't it your job to, I mean, talk about irresponsibility, but I digress. Um, I'm going to ask a very direct question. Do you think that there was a deal made with Democrats to get him into the speaker's chair? Absolutely. Do you Absolutely, think it? Absolutely, without a doubt. Do you think it included the things that we talked about, redistricting, cramming things into the budget, making sure the 60 percent uh, uh, resolution gets killed and that the things like the backpack bill don't see the day of light or they get massively watered down? Allison Russo has admitted in media that these are the things that that they talked about. So what? absolutely, I think there was a deal made um, and we'll see what happens well i mean is he going to continue to partner with the dems uh you you mentioned we have a vote for leadership tomorrow and is is he going to partner with the dems to get them across the finish line and i have to just put a plug in sharon ray is one of my closest colleagues in columbus she has more experience in her 30 years than john cross has and sharon ray should not be considered as a woman, this is the third speaker in a row who's put the token woman in the last leadership position. Come on, guys. Mm -hmm. We bring more to the table. We bring more to Columbus than that. Sharon Ray has a ton of experience and should be considered for a higher position. We represent 25% of our caucus. Yet when Good you for look you. at the number of vice when you look at the vice chairs, I took I wrote down the numbers. There are 35 chair positions, including the vice chair of all the vice chairs of finance. Seven of them are women in the Republican caucus. Seven. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's that. No, good. Good for you. I agree. I, I think you should stand up for, for uh, the women in this caucus. You're exactly right. Um, I can only wonder if any of the males who are in those positions identify as women. I know they identify as Democrats, uh, at least the ones who got appointed to these positions in the 22. Um, Marilyn, and yes, I'm going to continue the childishness. Um, but I am going to ask this one seriously. This mm -hmm. is uh, this one kind of goes against my uh, my nature because I'm something of a grudge holder by nature. Uh, screw me once, you know, it's like over. I don't I don't go with the rest of that. Just screw me once and it's over for you. Uh, but I'm going to ask this anyway. Will there or would there be any room for forgiveness if any of the 22 came to you and said, hey, Marilyn, can we talk for a minute? I screwed up bad. I let my arm get twisted a little bit. Somebody told me this was going to be the best thing. Some other people told me some bad things about Derek. I really don't think this was the right thing to do. And this this is this is a bad move and I regret it. Is there room for forgiveness there? And is there room then to bring that person in and make it 46 or 47 and on down the line? I think there's always, first of all, there's always room for forgiveness, um, but there's going to be repercussions. You know, growing up, I'd screw up and say to my parents, I'm sorry, I wish I hadn't done that. And yeah, honey, we forgive you, but there's always going to be repercussions for your actions. And sometimes there's that just goes on and there's nothing that, that can happen to change, such as the censure from the Ohio Republican Party. You know, I'm not sure that that can go away. And I know there are some of their members, some of the 22 that are very concerned about that, as they should be. I've, I've run campaigns. I worked on the campaign team for the Ohio House Republicans. That's significant, getting censured by the ORP. I don't know that the ORP is going to take that away from them. I, 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 I certainly don't think that they could. Do and you... so is there room for forgiveness? Yes. 
Is that going to change any of the repercussions? I don't know. Jack, um, I shared something with you before we started our podcast tonight, Jack, and you said we definitely have to talk about this. Yep. Just you and me, or should we share this with Marilyn while she's here and get her take? Uh, I, I'm game for for getting her take. I didn't I didn't share with her that we would cover it. So if she doesn't want to comment, I'll honor that. <laughs> Let's hear it. Well, when you talk about um, these things, um, there was a post made this evening on uh, Committee for a Better Ohio's Facebook page. It's a page run by uh, by John Morrow. He puts his name on it, so this is not something that's off the record. He also put it on Facebook, so it's certainly not off the record. And I want to share with you, um, this is going to fly in the face of the, hey, maybe they'll come asking for forgiveness. Just heard another rumor from a very reliable source, the post reads, very disturbing, hope it is not true. The rumor, the censured 22 Ohio House members who were allegedly guaranteed a deal if they helped push for transgendered rights by Intel. Intel is heading, leading the nation for abortions and transgender rights, so this is not a leap. The thought was that if the members remain censured and are hampered through their reelections, that they will help on two key issues, transgender rights and abortion, that are very important to Intel. They, a person representing the 22, were pro- said a person representing the 22, were promised help from some pretty recognizable Republican names, as the story goes, from well-connected Republican Intel lobbyists. And there are names here. I'm going to hold those out for the moment just to get through the rest of this. If they were to help the censured 22, they would get help to ensure that the censured House members would have funds and support from Republicans like Rob Portman and John Kasich working to help on the backside from behind the scenes to make connections. Notably, Intel is the number one corporate sponsor of abortion in the United States. They make substantial donations every year to Planned Parenthood. They also have committed to paying transportation costs for Ohio employees and for their abortions performed in other states. We don't, we don't put out too many rumors, but everything just fits, and it is from a credible source. This credible source has provided recordings in the past. Uh, it, it, there's a little more to it. I'm going to hold off, though, but it essentially says that the 22 who are being censured by the Ohio Republican Party and might face uh, you know, a, a blackout, if you will, on campaign funding and endorsements from the ORP and from the state central committee, well, this is their backup plan. This is where their funds and their endorsements and support comes from. Any thoughts on that right now? Don't feel pressured if you don't want to because you just heard it for the first time. So I have just heard this for the first time, so I mm-hmm. can't comment as to... Uh, whether it's that's actually happening or not. But what I will tell you, um, as someone who has run campaigns, uh, lobbyists don't vote for us. They are they don't live in Richland County. Jack Windsor lives in Richland County. Um, other people live in Richland County. And you can throw a lot of money at a campaign. But if your voters don't believe in you and they don't trust what you say, it's really hard to get that back. Um, a One of my colleagues, one of the 45, actually said to me, he's a former Marine. I've used this 20 times in the last two weeks. Honor is like an island with the waves crashing ashore. And when you leave that island, it's really hard to get back on. Voters are not stupid. Voters pay attention. Voters remember. And so... They might get money 
and help from Intel or whoever else, mm -hmm. but their voters are who they have to win over. And we're looking at a very short time frame. Next year is a presidential election year. We have to have our petitions in ready to run in our next election in December of 23. That means wow. people are going to start pulling petitions um, to run for these seats. And mm -hmm. I'm not advocating for any of my 67 to have opponents. I'm not out there advocating for that. But the reality of the situation is there are a lot of people around the state of Ohio very upset right now over what they did. As they should be. I think that's one of the biggest things that gives me heartburn. Like I don't have a dog in the fight. My dog in the fight is always to lay bare the truth and let voters make, you know, educated, informed decisions. But the thing that keeps giving me heartburn is the fact that um, when these things are laid open, there continues to be deception. There continues to be, well, you know, first it was, you know, we talked about this early on, but it was, well, he didn't call and well, he's not fit to lead. And well, it's this, and you know, it, it, the, the excuses keep going, but what I've never heard was, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I made two commitments to the Republican caucus and I broke those commitments and I can see how, you know, people would think if I can't be honest and have fidelity with 67 people, how in the world can I represent 120,000 and have them believe in me? Um, I think right. that's the part that people are really, really frustrated about. Um, and I can tell you that that's the part that many of the 22 are frustrated with me about because I get their text messages and in the days ahead, I'm going to share some of those because it's really disturbing. Uh, there's a lot of, I call it uh, deflection and misdirection. When I ask a direct question, it's like, well, you know, when you said this in this article, no, 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 you're not answering my question. Um, let me, so this is my final question though. I, I think that some people are calloused, right? I think that they're, they've made their choice. They're in this, by the way, Bob, what you read explains a lot. It would explain a lot as to why uh, Mike DeWine uh, tried to do what he tried to do um, with some support to get control over the education apparatus in the state yes, of Ohio would. and to yes, create that workforce uh, component within education. It, it speaks to why he was silent on Brendan Shea's resolution and he didn't really work with people on the board of education to get them to back it. So th that that's pretty and when disturbing. it was over and when it was over, he non renewed Mike toll for the board. That's right. And uh, right. appointed another leftist progressive. Uh, sorry, go on. So no, we'll talk about that in days ahead. So I think I think that these positions are. I think there was a deal. I think that there are promises that we will back you. There will be financing. We're going to make sure. And by the way, we didn't say this, but I think you said it indirectly. Of the twenty-two who voted for Stevens, twenty-one of them either have um, a, a committee chairmanship or are in leadership. And the, and the other one of the 22 is a true freshman lawmaker who was a, made vice chair of one of the most powerful committees in, in the house. Is that, is that accurate? Representative? That is accurate. And I do want to point out, I was listening in about the letter that was sent to Jason Stevens regarding Megan Fitzmartin. Bob, you brought that letter up. Yeah. I would point out that the four people who put their let their name to that um, are very qualified individuals in our caucus. Um, Derek Marin, who speaks volumes, his knowledge on, on tax policy is amazing. Um, Susan Manchester was just named 20 under 40 for, the, um, for a national organization. Brian Stewart passed 10 bills through the House, seven of which became law. Phil Plummer is a county sheriff and party chair. These are qualified people, quality mm -hmm. individuals who were demoted to vice chairs. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah.
in Steven's new and model, indefensible. she just said it. They are going. They're, they're demoted to vice chairs. So that that tees up the the final question perfectly. I don't think these people are moving. Uh, may, you know, the, the the idea was well, maybe some of them will come over to the forty five. Do you think that uh, they'll try to pick you off? Do you think they'll try to pick the other forty five off? And how galvanized is that that integrity caucus, if you will? And do you think that they're going to come after you with threats or money? What's that going to look like? So, I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to threaten me with. Um, I'm going to vote my conscience and I'm going to vote what's best for my district. You know, I, I remember you brought up Larry Householder. My one meeting with Larry Householder, he looked at me and said, Marilyn, we're going to do some things. You're going to have some questions. I'm just going to need you to trust me. I had to tell Megan and Jeff afterwards, you know, I'm going to vote my conscience because Larry Householder doesn't vote for me in Richland County. So I'm going to continue to do that as a representative of uh, Richland County. And, you know, I don't know what their intentions. I'm going to continue to work on conservative legislation, build partnerships where we can build partnerships. You asked about forgiveness. I'm going to work on that. Um, I'm going to represent my district and hopefully we can get some good things going. But I think we have some rough days ahead. Do you think they're going to try to pick this. people off, though? That's real quick. Do you think they're going to try to get some of the 45 over over to their side? Or are you seeing that already, I guess, is the... I would say, yeah. I mean, you know, they say they want unity. Hmm. And so in order to do that, I, I guess they're going to have to try to pull some of us over. Um, Good we'll freaking luck. See. I mean, they, they just got censured by the party. Do they really think that people who are on the 45 want to volunteer to be censured by the party too? Hey, I'm going to go join the 22. They look like they're having a ball over there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really? I, I, don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Last question, and this is for both of you guys, and it's just like a five-word answer or whatever you want here. Is the state, because we're, we're bitching that the state of Ohio we call a very red state, um, and a very conservative state is doing this. So here's the real question. Are we overstating that? The question is, is, is Ohio a really, really, truly conservative state, or is it a really, really, truly red state? There's a difference, because a red state can be the rhino state. Are there more rhinos in this state of Ohio that are voting R every time we have these massive waves of, and we do, we didn't have the tsunami nationwide, but we sure as hell added here, you know, all of the state offices and so forth. Are, are, are we overplaying the conservative nature of the Ohio Republican? Are there more Ohioans, in your opinion, Marilyn, that are more more rhino-y, more Kasich-y, more DeWine-y uh, than they are, you know, Marini or Marilyn Johnny? I think our constituents are very conservative. Sometimes when elected officials get to Columbus, get to D.C., power is very, um, is, becomes a motivating factor for them. And you don't, they're willing to trade off their conservative values for that. Unfortunate, it's unfortunate, but it is often what we see. And you know what, if I'm, Jack, before you answer, if they're willing to trade their conservative principles for more power, then I don't think they were conservatives. They're just, you know, they're just, they're just power hungry, rhino, hungry rhinos. We've seen people like that before. If they're willing to trade in their conservative principles, then they never had principles. At least that's coming from a conservative that, that I believe. Jack, what do you think? I think people can fall from grace. You know, one of my favorite people in the Bible is King David and King David was, was a superstar. And, and then, you know, he went to the depths and, you know, I, and I think, 
I think that's what's attractive about his story, right? So I think people can begin conservative, and I think power and money are very alluring. Um, but, you know, I've said for a long time, I think the way to win in Ohio is put an R behind your name and and say the right things. Um, I think the hard part that conservative, or excuse me, that Republicans that are rhinos are having now is that is that it, 2019 and 2020 people woke up like never before. Um, we took our eyes off the ball for a really long time, and I think our eyes are on the ball now. And I think they have a lot more obstacles to get stuff done. But I think that's what's really heartbreaking and hard about this is that you're seeing they, they've sold out. They've sold their conservative principles at a time yeah. when we need our Constitution to be harder to amend, when we need to protect human life, when we need to give parents the opportunity to give their kids an education and have a choice to do that. And they're failing. I mean, they are, if that if that is the deal, and I believe it is, and Representative John, you believe that there's a deal, and 40 other lawmakers I've talked to believe that there was a deal, shame on you. You're not, you're not a Republican. No. Hell, you're not a Democrat. You're an opportunist. You know what, Jack? You can roll with King David if you want to, but I'm going to go with Saul to Paul because that's what I need to have happen here. I need 22 <laughs> Sauls to see the light and become Paul and get the hell back over on the conservative side and do the job that the conservative constituents of Ohio want them to do. That's where we're going to roll a wrap with uh, uh, tonight. Um, Representative uh, Marilyn John, thank you for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Great insight to everything that's happened. We're sorry that you have to go to work in Columbus the way you do. Like you said, looking forward to getting there as late as you can and getting out as early as you can because it's got to be uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, Godspeed to you. Please keep fighting the good fight, and uh, hopefully hopefully we can stay in touch and, uh, and follow up on this. Absolutely. It was great being with all of you, with both thank of you. you. Thank, thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. All right, there's Representative Marilyn John and Jack. That's going to do it. We're already past our hour, but uh, I think it was worth it. And uh, hopefully come next next recording, which we should be doing on Wednesday, drop in on Thursday, we'll have a conversation with one of the 22. Uh, Jay Edwards, we tried to get him on tonight, obviously, and the uh, phone connection was not solid. So hopefully we'll be able to talk to him on Wednesday as well. And you have something else on Wednesday to promote, don't you? Yeah, I do. And actually, it's interesting that it kind of fits into the the wisdom or at least the speculation that you dropped at the end of this episode. Um, I've got Lisa Logan joining us on Wednesday. Um, She's the mom out in Utah who's written several articles for us. She wrote a powerhouse Mm -hmm four article series last week on social emotional learning. So she's going to share uh, what she uncovered uh, and, and unpack it for us on Wednesday. Where can people read that? At theohiopressnetwork.com. That's theohiopressnetwork.com. I can't believe I got to tell you to promote your own product, man. Come on. Oh, speaking of which, hey. I was going to get you there next. Go ahead. Man, we're going to have to put this at the (laughs) top of the show, too. So I want to thank, first of all, today's episode is sponsored by the Freedom Foundation. Now, if you've listened for any length of time, you know that the Freedom Foundation, they're the creators of optouttoday.com. That's the number one tool for government employees uh, to free themselves from union bondage. So if you go to freedomfoundation.com, you can learn more about that. You can also make a 501c3 tax-deductible contribution. And if you put talk and smack in the notes, they'll double it. So thank you, Freedom Foundation, for being behind us and supporting this podcast. Jack, before you go, why are you broadcasting from an arboretum? Hey, man, listen. Yeah. I love plants. Plants make me happy. And, uh, and they're good for you. You're in the rainforest at the Metro Park Zoo right now. You know that, don't you? I kid you. This is, this is, this is like nothing. I I promise you, I have more plants in my house than you, you would ever dream of. So, Uh, you know, that's not legal recreational in Ohio yet. 
Uh, no, not that kind of plant. Oh, Bob. all right. Well, I don't smoke it. I water how do it. I know. And I, I let it. I let it cleanse the air. Plants are good for you, man. You're the one They're who's really complaining about heartburn early on, and I know you put that out with bourbon. So I don't know what the hell what kind of plants you grow. <laughs> all right, that's gonna do it for talking smack. I'm Bob, and I'm Jack, and we'll see you all next time uh, right here. Bye bye.